Hey everybody, welcome back to Explain Like I'm Five, the podcast where we take the questions you always wanted to ask and talk about them in a way that's easy to understand. We are your hosts, I'm Tim. Hi, I'm Kevin. So Kevin, today we're talking about memories. Do you remember if we've done this before? I'm not sure. Tell me. <laughs> no, we haven't. Uh, first time. Um, and the question is this, how are memories stored in our brains? What's actually happening physically? That's a really good question. So memories, as we know it, are stored as these links, actually, between all the neurons in our brain. And neurons are basically brain cells that send signals to other neurons. And the number of neurons in your brain actually mostly stays the same over your life. But it's the links between them that, it what, cha- that is what changes when we learn or remember things. Now, the exact nature of how a memory gets encoded into links between neurons isn't well under- understood, though. It's a fascinating topic, and I know one of the things that gets brought up is we do now understand that there's a distinction between short-term and long-term memory. Could you explain a little bit about that? Oh yes, that is a fascinating topic. So someone named uh, Donald Hebb was the first to come up with a way to tell the difference between short-term and long-term memory in the mid-1900s. Now, when the brain receives an input, like let's say it's uh, seen something or heard something, A sensory memory keeps a copy of what is seen or heard, but this memory lasts for only about a few seconds. Anything that is kept in the brain longer depends on actually our selective attention. Things that we notice, you know, are kept in short-term memory for up to, let's say, a few minutes. And this memory is thought to be dependent on electrical activity in the brain and is easily destroyed by an interruption or interference. Um, Short-term memory can also include iconic memory as well, which holds maybe a visual image, uh, acoustic memory to hold sounds, and working memory, which is, you know, that active process to keep a memory until it's put to use. How much short-term memory does one have? Uh, uh, It's limited by duration as well as capacity. Short-term memory has a limited duration, and the contents uh, end up decaying over time. So unless you kind of repeat that memory, that decay is pretty quick. Forgetting greatly limits the information that be kept over a short period of time, and the capacity of short-term memory is finite, but there's no real clear unit of measurement for what that is. Uh, it's not like, you know, uh, the memory or computer, you could just install more. Mm, yes. <laughs> uh, there are many conditions that can affect short-term memory. You know, they range from things like simple distractions to some serious disorders. The loss of memory is unfortunately natural and is expected with aging as well. By the age of 55, it is found experimentally that the loss of memory starts to occur, which usually occurs more often with long-term memory loss. So let's say when something transitions from your short-term to your long-term memory, does it move to a different part of your brain? Um, So the brain does not really store memories in in just one unified structure. Hebb had a theory of long-term memory as a change in the strength of connections between those neurons. And long-term memory is relatively permanent storage, if you want to think about it that way. So the process involves the creation of you know, even new proteins. And there's still much we don't really know, but we do know that different types of memory are stored in different kind of regions in the brain. So long-term memory is typically divided up into two major headings, uh, explicit memory and implicit memory, and stored in different places. Okay, you have to explain what the difference is between those two. Sure. Explicit or declarative memory 
refers to memories which can be consciously recalled, such as facts and knowledge. Uh, they are partly encoded by the hippocampus, but stored elsewhere in the brain. Where? Uh, we don't know for sure, but probably the temporal cortex area of the brain. You can look that up. Okay. And how about implicit memory? Now, implicit or procedural memory refers actually to the use of objects or even the movements of the body, such as how exactly to use a pencil, drive a car, or the classic example, ride a bicycle. Uh, this type of memory is encoded and we think stored by the part of the brain known as the basal ganglia, which is essentially three areas under the cerebral cortex responsible for movement and things. So why is it that our brain can form arbitrary memories from you know seemingly random events and recall them perfectly? Uh, but then it's hard to memorize something which you are intentionally hoping to memorize. <laughs> I've had that problem before. So since we're finding our way around the brain, let's explain it this way. The brain's memory creator is, is the hippocampus. And it is literally attached to the emotional center of the brain. You know, the amygdala. The amygdala. The amygdala tags the memory in the hippocampus with certain emotions and sensations. So when the memory is stored in the brain, it has that, you know, tag. Now, when you smell, hear, etc., a sound similar to the tag that the amygdala gave it, uh, it causes the memory to pop up, kind of like a trigger. Hmm. So a simpler answer may be a process known as survivorship bias. You know, it seems so much harder to memorize things on purpose because you're much more likely to notice when you forget, like, you know, let's say on a test. Mm. But random memories that seem to appear out of nowhere usually have no reason to be challenged. It just kind of happens. In truth, almost all the fine details of most people's lives are forgotten fairly quickly. Uh, do you remember what you had for breakfast today? <laughs> <laughs> Our memories often fill in the gaps when it's not so important to remember every detail. Okay. Uh, one situation where we definitely don't remember every detail uh, is when we are uh, alcohol impaired. Uh, and so the final question I have for you is, why do we lose all memories when we get drunk to the point of a, a blackout? Oh, yes. That's a fun, that's, that's very interesting. A little uh, counterintuitive. So you don't actually lose the memories. They're actually just never created in the first place. Um, basically, as alcohol, you know, via your blood vessels reach into the deeper levels of the brain, your brain tends to function less efficiently and some processes are impaired. So when your alcohol levels reach critical level, the brain simply aborts all processes. Uh, you pass out and it's not recording new memories. I see. Well, one thing I do remember is that we did do an episode a long time ago uh, on alcohol and how it makes us drunk. And so uh, I'm remembering some of those details now as you describe this. Did you learn something new? If you did, send us an email. We are at eli5thepodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you, especially when you have suggestions for new topics or feedback on our episodes and how we can make this better. As always, thank you to the wonderful community at r slash explain like I'm five. We will see you all next week.